Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the In Squash podcast. And before we get into this episode, uh, as promised, this is the official release of Jamie Maddox's Mohammed El Sharbagi sequel song. He released the the first one about four four years ago, I believe it was, recorded in his car. This one, a bit more production value. The follow-up definitely deserves it, and uh, you're not going to be disappointed. Here it is, the Mohammed El Sharbagi song number two. Do, 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 do. Mohammed El Shibagi, he's playing for England the way it should be. Mohammed, our squash superman, he calls to the other guys, I'm M-E-S. Catch me if you can, on his way back to world number one. He's just about to show everyone. There you have it. Jamie Maddox's follow-up to his classic Mohammed El Sharbagi song of four years ago. This is the Mohammed El Sharbagi sequel, and it did not disappoint. I would describe it uh, sort of as being Michael Jackson's debut album and then him following up with Thriller. Uh, absolute uh, classic here today with the Jamie Maddox, uh, Mohammed El Sherbagi uh, sequel song. I hope you enjoyed that. Many thanks for Jamie for agreeing to make the, uh, the premiere, the debut of that song here on episode 241 of the In Squash podcast, which just happens to be with In Yao Ning. Uh, he is is a former world junior uh, champion and he'll be uh, uh, famously he just uh, took out uh, recently uh, Paul Cole in the Singapore Open and he's had some big wins uh, this season winning in Cleveland having some excellent results uh, along the way this season he's currently ranked uh, 20 in the world has reached as high as number 17 uh, we have a tremendous chat today we uh, we talk about his season today which uh, which started out so well in Cleveland with a big victory there and uh, more recently, a huge win in Singapore over Paul Cole. He's had wins over Sorv Grosel, Abdullah El Tamimi. Uh, he's had some really close encounters, a couple with Joel Macon, with Ferris Tasuki. And of course, he's got his big match tomorrow's first round match with uh, Mohammed El Shabagi, the beast, who is the man in form right now. And it should be a great match. The two of them have played previously. Uh, and Yen and I talk about that. We also talk about his winning the Malaysian National Championship uh, recently uh, this year for the first time, and also the first Malaysian to win the Asian Squash Championships in 11 years since that golden age of Malaysian squash with uh, Aslan Alexander and Ong Beng Hee. Uh, it's been 11 years, and... Uh, and Yen uh, finally uh, brought the title back home. Uh, we also talk about his recent uh, trip to uh, South Korea, which he took with a friend of mine, uh, Sean Oh. He did some clinics there and played some, uh, I think may have played a few matches with uh, some of the, the top players in Korea at that time. And he was really impressed with what he saw. And we talk about uh, his thoughts on Korean squash, how he sees it and how he experienced it as well. So I know you're going to enjoy episode 241. And once again, Many thanks to Jamie Maddox for dropping the Mohammed El Sharbagi uh, sequel song. Uh, what a classic that was. 
But before we get started, let me just tell you about our sponsor, Open Squash. Open Squash is a New York-based nonprofit that uh, is dedicated to bringing thousands of new squash players into the sport, uh, thousands of new people into the sport uh, by making it uh, more accessible and more affordable to everyone. And that's a tremendous thing uh, that they have going uh, for them at Open Squash. One of the ways Open Squash fulfills this mission is through their Junior uh, Scholarship Fund, which helps support 25% of juniors with financial aid. If you want to learn more about the vision, by by the way, check out a recent episode with Executive Director Cleve Miller. Uh, he was on the podcast about uh, three to four episodes back. And uh, growing the game is what we talked about. Uh, that's Open Squash's mission. And it's something that I think everyone should listen to. It's a fantastic uh, listen and Cleve uh, fleshes out the Open Squash uh, vision. Uh, their primary vision is, of course, growing the game, and they've brought on board several like-minded PSA pros like world number one, Ali Farag, Victor Quint, and Gina Kennedy, amongst others. For anyone in and around the New York's, uh, New York City area, uh, coming up in December, there's a Junior Academy holiday party on December 15th and a U.S. Junior Squash bronze event hosted by Open Squash on the 10th of December. So you can check that out if you're in and around the New York City area. And also, if you want to see what else Open Squash uh, has been up to and all the initiatives that, that they've uh, put into place uh, recently, check out their website at opensquash.org. And without further ado, episode 241 with Yin Yao Ning. I am good. Thank you. And yourself? Myself, I'm fantastic. Although uh, still, uh, still uh, a little bit depressed after Canada's four-one defeat to uh, <laughs> uh, to it was a Croatia yesterday in the World yeah. Cup. But uh, we got we got a goal there. Uh, it was two minutes, and Alfonso yeah. scored. I thought, man, yeah. this is going to be great. And uh, <laughs> uh, not plastic when you last long, yeah. But when you think something's going well, it always goes the other way. <laughs> oh, exactly. Well, I mean, we know from squash too. You got to, yeah. uh, you know, when you got to lead, that doesn't mean it's over. But um, yeah. But so good to have you on. Uh, uh, apologies yeah. for no. the formal uh, look today. Um, no, you look sharp. You make me feel like I'm underdressed for this. <laughs> for this <laughs> no, dress. no, I'm just in the office, so I have to make it look like yeah. I'm, uh, I'm doing some work here. So this is work. Uh, yeah. Uh, enjoyable stuff. Uh, Nyang, first of all, um, uh, just want to uh, say what a fantastic uh, uh, experience it is to have you on the podcast for the first time. Yeah. Uh, I've been following Thank you, you for, yeah, I've been following you for for a while, and you've had you've um, been doing really well over the last few years. So apologies for yeah. reaching out until now. No, no, you're good. No worries. <laughs> no yeah. worries at all. Yeah. So you just, like, uh, on the heels yeah. of, uh, of the Malaysian Open. And uh, that must have been a fantastic experience. I know uh, playing at home, uh, and I saw some YouTube footage of you yeah. showing some players around uh, around town. Yeah. So uh, overall, uh, how was the experience for you uh, playing at home in such a big event? Um, I mean, we've always we've had the Malaysian Open on for we've only missed it in twenty twenty. So it's it was been it's been going on for a while now, and we had it last year too. So for me, it was just good to come back, come back home because well, I'm I'm based in the UK, so it's good to come back home, and play in front of the home crowd. But um, the only the only thing was that it was so tough this time around, 
mm. it's it was probably it it was a joke basically the draw for the size of the event for a bronze event having the players that we had in the Malaysian Open was really crazy I've we were just saying amongst ourselves like the players and all that um it's just you get four top 10 players playing in the 50k which I don't know when was the last time we've had that so in terms of it was great having the Malaysian Open and having all the sponsors support the the event again um but for me personally on a personal note I was quite uh I had quite a tough draw getting Joe again in the second round yeah. um historically I've done pretty well in the Malaysian Open I've won it once uh, I made my breakthrough back in 2017 in the Malaysian Open as well I reached the finals um so it was a little bit frustrating on my end not to get, go through further but I thought I put in a good show for the Malaysian crowd as well um I was neck to neck with Joe lost in five this time around so in terms of my squash I thought it was good and it's great to play in front of home crowd but just uh, a little bit frustrated with just how how tough it was and more so that I couldn't make it further through to the event yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, you, you, you're coming off some really good results uh, this season. Uh, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about about that. But uh, just uh, you're in Bristol right now. Uh, yes. Training with, I guess, with Hadrian. Uh, yeah. yeah, I've yeah. had him. Uh, I've spoken to him on, on this on this yeah. podcast, and he's uh, he's a fantastic, obviously, uh, an amazing coach and someone who kind of uh, does things a little bit differently. I different. think. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, just. Yeah. To that, like, what what's the experience been like for you, you in Bristol? Uh... Um, yeah, for me, it's been it's been amazing. I've been there for about three, three, four years now. Been based there full time three, four years now. So, uh, really, it's been fantastic. Um, I feel like besides playing and improving my squash, um, I really enjoy the atmosphere that we have, the the environment that that Hadrian has created around the Bristol squash scene, which is. Um, it's not so much about performing it. Um, yes, obviously we want to play well and play good squash, but there's a lot more to it than just playing good squash. I think Hadrian's a coach that really thinks about a lot of stuff outside of the squash court, which I think really helps. Um, and it was an eye-opening experience as well. Um, but no, I just think that Bristol is an amazing city. Like I said, I've been there for a few years now and really enjoy my time there. Um, and I think it shows as well. I've only been back home once or twice in the last three years, so oh yeah, I'm enjoying squash there. Um, I think I'm improving. I'm going in the right direction. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been great. Ah, perfect. Yeah. Um, I was just just to get back to to the Malaysian Open. Uh, I'm jumping around yeah. a bit, but uh, <laughs> you know, do you uh, just wondering uh how uh sort of how much you enjoyed uh. I guess serving as host uh, to several of the players I saw uh, on the YouTube yeah. that you uh, you showed uh, Patrick Rooney around uh, at yeah. Lang Street and, and I yeah. guess that's Chinatown. So yeah, um, how uh, I guess how different is it for you to be playing at home? Uh, I mean, you talked about how you weren't. I mean, it was a tough draw and everything, but you've got the sort of the the, the joy of being at home, but also probably a few more responsibilities that that you might not have. Uh, when you're traveling and playing uh, elsewhere, yeah, um, for sure. I think um, one of those things is obviously trying to um, to host some of the players around. Everyone's, I mean, we squash and this 
our community it's always been really nice everyone's been very nice and i've i've always been away from malaysia and everyone's all the other players been really um welcoming in wherever i am so i feel that um i kind of have to not not a responsibility in some ways but just um show them around and just make them feel a little bit better being so far away from home because um for me a big thing was as much as malaysia open was a good great event it was more so that the asia tour is back as well mm. i just want to touch a bit upon like having singapore malaysia and now myself we're all in hong kong now so having that asia tour is a big thing and um i really think that it will help asia squash a lot um so it's about making these players making all all our fellow players on tour feel that asia's um really nice and um uh, it's it's welcoming and it's not even though it might be a little bit further than normal going to events in asia but it's still a very very pleasant experience for them so that all these top players will keep coming back year after year and um thankfully the feedback from both singapore and malaysia has been great players players are really looking forward to coming back next year so i think that's a good thing um and besides that for me i think i have a little bit more responsibility as well being the the malaysian number 1 back home to put in a good performance I think that's something that I don't really feel often when I go to tournaments I could just normally there's more just about playing my match but being back home I feel like I have to step up to kind of maybe help inspire the next generation just like um the likes of Nicole Benhi and Aslan did back in the days so um I feel that that helps me a little bit more to perform better and I think that's why historically I've done well in the event So I really enjoy being back home playing the Malaysian Open. Oh, definitely. It was a fantastic event. I mean, obviously you would have liked to have done a little bit better, but as you yeah. mentioned, uh, uh, I watched the match against Joel and it was uh, it was anyone's ball game there uh, right until the end. But uh, yeah. we'll talk about that a, a little bit later, but just uh, just in terms, I mean, you had Malaysian Open like you said, Singapore, but we've got yeah. Hong Kong. You just came from Korea. Uh just absolutely amazing i i think what like what you said uh, uh asian squash has a lot of history uh yeah. obviously singapore has a history hong kong has a deep history yeah. malaysia does pakistan, pakistan uh oh, oh, we'd like to yeah. see pakistan back uh yeah. they're hosting a bit more events yeah. now but uh, it's just uh it's amazing to see uh, asia, uh asia back on the map and i think a lot of the players yeah. uh like you said it's a bronze event but you know you had the likes of Tarek and Mezen and Joel yeah. yourself everybody uh seemed yeah. to want to play in it yeah i mean i i was seated 9 to 16 for the event so it just shows the depth that we had so yeah it's uh it's great for malaysian squash all the juniors got to meet the best players in the world um so that i think i think malaysian squash has really benefited from hosting this event Oh, for sure and uh you know we'll we'll talk about it a bit later but there was a period there where Malaysia as you mentioned uh dominated yeah. squash i think it was from around the the turn of the millennium around 1998 yeah. all the yeah. way through till 2010 2000 uh, 2011 where yeah. you guys dominated the game. the game yeah in asia i should say yeah, yeah. well uh just in terms of uh Uh now just look at looking back at your season just earlier in the year in Cleveland you started off the year uh I think you started off the year your highest ever uh world ranking yeah. of 17 uh and then you you went into Cleveland and um you were seeded one in that event 
and you yeah. ended up winning it. Uh, you beat a, a very informed guy, uh, Sebastian Baumelet, in, in the final. Yeah. But uh, you were seeded one in that event. It's sort of a, a little bit of a different feel for you, uh, you know, playing in the bigger events here. You had to really work hard even from round yeah. one. So what was it? Yeah. What's the difference between, uh, you know, uh, an event like uh, the Malaysian Open or Hong Kong and uh, yeah. and uh, an event like Cleveland where you're seeded one and maybe uh, a bit more pressure on you to to yeah. uh, to win it? Yeah, um, I think if you look back to the draws or the, the plays that I've played in the last six six to eight months or so, um, you, it was just, I thought that Cleveland was an event that I really, really needed to play. Cleveland was on at the same time as San Francisco, which was a silver event. Um, and I've always preferred to play the bigger events so that I could play the top, top guys and get more experience against them. But I feel like coming in, to my season, I've had some brutal draws. I've drawn, uh, I think I've drawn um, Tarek in the second round of the British Open, Faris in the second round of Egyptian, uh, of Elguna, Tarek first round of World Champs. I got Mohammed in the second round of Qatar, Marwan in the second round of the Egyptian Open, Ali in the second round of um, the US. Um, so I thought that and, I needed... Ian, Ian, how, how about Hong yeah. Kong? <laughs> Hong Kong again, Muhammad again uh, in Hong Kong. I mean, the, the draw is it's what it is. And mm. I felt that I needed a bit of a change and to see where I might actually, and like you said, to put some pressure on myself. Um, and I thought that I did, I did really well in that event. I thought personally, I felt that I was seated one and I went in um playing with pressure and still performing at my best. I thought that was some some of the best quarters I played, especially in the quarters and the semis. Um so I was really pleased with that. I think um that kind of cemented where I felt that I was in terms of, in terms of my squash. I kind of knew where I am, but because I was playing the platinums and I was playing first rounds and I was getting um I was winning three loves in the first round. But then coming up against the top guys and I was losing close three ones and some three twos to them. I wasn't really sure where I'm at in terms of my squash. So to come into Cleveland and win that um, relatively comfortably was a, a great confidence booster. I think that kind of set myself up for this part of the season. Yeah, we saw, uh, I mean, take a look at someone like uh, like Gina Kennedy, who, uh, yeah. you know, obviously she her ranking is in what, Yours is, uh, but she yeah. she she won so many of those uh, challenger events, and then that, uh, in in a way, I think it gave her the confidence, having won so many times, uh, to to hit the ground running. How so? How did that that victory? How how did winning those matches and winning that event? Uh, how do you feel that that helped you in terms of your confidence? Oh, ma um, massively! I think it just helped my confidence greatly. Um, even going into the next few events, I just felt so confident. I was flowing. I just thought that, you know, physicality was not an issue at all. I, uh, I'm so I feel confident with my racket. Um, I feel that my shots are going in. I think, looking back, playing against Paul as well. Um, well, Paul was definitely not on his day, and he was he was a little bit, he was not on his best form for sure. Uh, but the way I was finishing the ball. Um, the way I was attacking the front court, you definitely tell there was a lot of confidence in there. And I think um, just by winning Cleveland's kind of let myself 
um, let some burden off my shoulders a, li- a little bit because I know that I've done at least something this season and I can be proud of myself in that tournament and I can just play without pressure or as much pressure in the other events. Um, at the same time, pushing myself really hard against these guys. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you uh, uh, next about the about the match against Paul in, in Singapore. Now, obviously, uh, you know, he was under the weather, but, you know, yeah. a wounded animal is also a dangerous one. So yeah. uh, you played some tremendous squash in those last two games. Uh, obviously, yeah. you knew he was feeling it, but, uh, uh, you know, you've got to take care of business when you've got the opportunity and you played what I thought for the most part, you played error-free and you upped the tempo yeah. and you kept it going uh, at that tempo with against a guy like Paul is really impressive. So uh, how did you feel you played in that match and what did it, uh, despite the circumstances, what that mean to you to take out uh, uh, the world number two, former world number one? Yeah. Um, at the time, I thought it was massive. Um, again, like for my confidence, um, Paul, even though... If it's not at his best, he still hits some really good lines and he's still former one number one. So can never take that away from him. But um I just felt that it was almost like um not quite a breakthrough that and not quite something that I really expected against Paul, but I thought that the time would come because I've been knocking on the door on the door long enough now. Um mm. for a past year or so. Um, I've had a few. I've beat. I've beaten two top ten guys last year. Um, in terms of I beat. I've beaten Gawad and Asal as well. Um, so I knew that I could produce upsets against the top guys. But it's different when you're coming up. Um, in the rankings compared to when I've broken into the top twenty, and then these guys are really aware of my game, whereas they might have been less prepared to play me when I was first coming up. So now that's when I'm coming up against these guys, there's no they're not gonna take it any easy on they're not gonna take it easy on me. They're gonna play their first even though it's the first match, they're going all guns blazing, they're making sure they're really focused and they're not giving me anything easy. So for me I've been pushing these guys a lot, a lot of close mm-hmm. matches. So I felt that it was just um just a matter of time, basically. And of course it was um felt amazing to beat Paul. And at that moment, I didn't really, I wasn't really processing it when I first won it. But um, again, like I say again, I just felt that it was just um, a matter of time. And because I'm training so hard, I'm always working really hard. I felt that um, it's just a validation of the things that I'm doing and I'm doing the right thing and I'm moving in the right step, in the right direction, even though it's not taking, it's taking a little bit longer than I would have liked to. Mm-hmm. But I still believe that I'm moving in the right direction overall. Yeah, definitely. I, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, every time I see every time I see you in a big match against a big name player, it's always close. It's always uh, you know you're always in those matches or winning them. Yep. Uh, it's on some occasions. So uh, that that was really impressive against Paul. And I mean, you've had wins uh, this season over yep. guys like right around your ranking as well that are very yep. good. The Sarv Gosal of Dalel Tamimi, who's been playing some incredible squash. Yeah. You had you, your close calls with uh, with Joel Macon. Ferris Dasuki yeah. was a great match. Yeah. All those games were close. So just in terms of uh, taking it to that next level, taking it that next step, because you're almost there. Um, what do you think you need to add to your game uh, to take it to to that next level? Or is it just a matter of 
maybe just getting another win or another couple of wins against a, a player right around the caliber of a Paul Cole or just below that to give you that confidence? Yeah, um, I think um, what I've added, what I've needed more during the summer break was definitely more um, aggression with my game. Mm. If I think if you look back um, pre-Commonwealth Games or towards the tail end of last season, I was a lot more, um, a lot happier to stay behind the opponent and just to have a lengthy battle and just wait for the counter-attack. Um, but I think if you watch me play now, there's a lot more volleys in there. I'm stepping up on court a lot more. Um, I'm a lot more aggressive on court. Um, but besides that, I think it's just, like you said, I think it's just a lot to do with experience, getting closer and closer to these guys. I don't think anything can replace that experience that you get playing against them. All these guys have so many tricks up their sleeve. <laughs> up at seven on the fourth or eight on the fifth, they always have something extra. So it's about managing that and knowing knowing how to deal with it next time if I play any of these guys um, and how to manage that as well. I think a good example is myself against Joel in Malaysian Open <clears throat> where I was 2-1 up and I was actually 6-1 up as well in the fourth. But there was kind of an... Um, there was a decision overrule and a video referee came in. There was quite a bit of time. <clears throat> I thought Joel was really tired at that stage. Mm. But that two so where he took the review, um, I had a stroke. Um, stroke for me to go seven one, but it got overturned into a no let, and Joe oh, went yeah. to two six. I remember that. <laughs> I remember um, that. Yeah. And that kind of changed the flow of the whole match. And Joe kind of had that last hope, and he, Joe is such a tough competitor that he found the extra energy in him to push, and I did not respond to that, so I didn't step up to that. Whereas now I've known, like, I know how to kind of deal with this kind of situations better next time. So I think it's more about playing these guys, putting myself in positions where, where I can win the match. If I do that enough enough times, then the win will come. Um, but it's I think there's a lot to do with being patient and not being too frustrated, not beating these guys. I mean, if you look at some of the some of the matches, um, Mohamed beat someone like Diego Trilov in the finals as well. So you yeah. get someone who's both top five in the world and they could still be Trilov victories. So it's about not being too harsh on myself. And I think I'm always quite harsh on myself, which is not great at times. Mm. Um, but I think it's just about looking at things more objectively and seeing the goods, the good parts in there as well. And um, yeah, just the experience part, I think still slightly lacking against them. But I think I'm, again, like moving in the right direction. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I could see that that in, in at the end of that match, right after that call, I remember exactly when it happened then. Yeah. A few, you know, you kind of mentally, you uh, it, it seemed to me that you kind of lost it a, li a little bit, yeah. and that that seemed to be. But there's so much in there, and what you just said, I, I wanted to ask you uh, just about. I mean, you're you're talking about how you're playing forward more and not uh, not waiting and not yeah. countering, and uh, I see a lot of similarities there in the way that you played. You've been playing recently, and the way a guy like say Abdullah Al Tamimi, when he uh, when he's had his success. He's always pushing yeah. up in front and volleying yeah. and doing, doing well like that. So is that something like, uh, like that you that you're doing now more than you did in the past? Yeah, I think um, over the summer as well, I went over to the states and I started working a little bit with Sean Moxham as well. Mm. Um, 
So I spent a month in uh, in Connecticut with Sean, and uh, there's a lot of stuff that he taught me. And I thought that uh, move like from then on, from August moving forward, I thought I implemented a lot of what he's taught, and it's kind of brought into a good um good mixture into my game. More definitely more attacking style of squash. Not in terms of going for the margins. Maybe at times he would have thought that if I'm playing Paul, I was really going for a lot of shots. But that was um, that was just because I felt like I was playing Paul, and there's no way I could win a lengthy battle against him. So I thought that that was the risk, the small risk that I had to take. Uh, but when I was playing Sorov, I was playing a different game. I was still taking the volleys, but I was um, playing with less margins. Um, I, I playing with more margin. I wasn't going as low to the team. Um, I was still taking it early, but being a little bit more patient. Um, so I think it's just about being aggressive on the middle of the tee, slightly, a little bit like what Palmer would used to do. Um, so I think that's that kind of moving forward, that kind of game has really uh, it's suiting me quite a lot. I'm a smaller frame. I can move around quite mm. efficiently. I can get up and down the court fairly more efficient compared to the other players. I think that's my strength. So I think definitely I should use it more as well. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. You also mentioned uh, the match, I mean, last year when you beat uh, Mustafa Saul, and obviously he's uh, he's had a few you know, unfortunate issues with his game. He's got to deal with uh, some things. But, I mean, yeah. you played him and uh, it was a you know, you you managed to beat him. Did you find uh, did you find that there were any issues with him and his movement on the court, or maybe just the fact like he's a big big fella? You're you're not so big. Maybe it didn't come into play uh, as much in in that match. Um, I thought there were definitely some issues in, in that match as well. If you look back, it was a huge thing. It's quite quite a massive thing at that time. It was blowing up on some of the forums on Facebook, squash stories and stuff. Yeah. Um, um, I'll have to look yeah, back. I don't remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. There were a few um, base. Yeah. Uh, there was still a few. I think at one instance, he um, he had his trailing leg and he tripped me. Uh, I don't think that that's, I think that was, um, I believe that it was intentional, but I could be wrong. Mm. Um, it could be the way he hit it, but I think I thought that that was an, not, a natural position to be in from the way he hit it. Um, yeah, I fell to the ground. There was a few a few instances of stuff like that. I ran into him at one stage and he was on the ground. I mean, I'm five foot seven. I weigh probably yeah. 120 pounds or, and he's six foot plus <laughs> massive guy. Yeah. So yeah, I'm running into him. You should have been bouncing off of him, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he should be going down on the ground. But yeah, I think there's a lot of, think there are some stuff that he needs to tidy up on court but if you're talking purely squash wise i think um his level of squash is unbelievable just yeah sometimes watch him play and you when he's playing at his best and it's free-flowing you just think how can you win a point against someone like him so hopefully moving forward hopefully he really like look back at what what's happened to him and think why it's happening to him Mm. Um, well, I guess it seems to happen when he's, you know, in a tough match and in a match like you got, yeah. like you had with him, it just seems to creep, creep out. But, uh, yeah. but uh, you know, that that's the beauty of squash. You've got two guys who are playing good squash, and just let it, just let it happen and see, see yeah. how it goes. Yeah, yeah, and I think the way the refs are moving, moving the direction that they're moving now, I feel like. 
a lot of times the players get punished for just simple interference as well. I mean, at the end of the day, we are two, two adults playing on a small squash court. There are just some instances where it's just a simple lap. And I feel like we've gone so far the other way around where it's always no lap or a stroke, where things get taken, gets taken to a far extreme at times where it, it is most of the time just a simple lap. Um, so, yeah, but I feel like <laughs> I think uh, personally for myself, I try not try not to play the refs too much. Mm. I like to have it as free-flowing as possible. It's just, uh, there's really no benefits into me trying to get in the way um, or block or take my space too much. I will stand my ground if I need to, but a lot of times I really do prefer a free-flowing squash and I always make a lot of effort to go to the ball as well. Yeah, it's got to be a little bit frustrating. I mean, uh, I, I, I watched a match, uh, some of the early round matches there in Hong yeah. Kong today when I had some time. And uh, there were a couple of lets where uh, no lets were given. There was obvious, you know, the player could have gotten to the ball, but he yeah. kind of bumped into the player as they were going through. It's got to be really, like a, like you say, like a fine line when, you know, you're moving forward and then you realize, oh, the ball's over there. So I've got to you know, find my way to the ball, I've already moved forward. That It's got to be very tricky. I mean, uh, yeah. you're quick, you make these quick decisions and then you you see the ball is somewhere else and then you're given a no yeah. let, you're being penalized uh, for that, that yeah. just that little wrong, sort of uh, the, the yeah. wrong step that you took at the beginning. But there's, there's yeah, an difference. Yeah, I think especially as well, if... Um... Oftentimes, I feel like if, if you're, I don't know, but I feel like if you're playing the ball a lot and you're trying to play through interference a lot and sometimes if you stop and do ask for a let, the ref might feel that you're kind of playing the play in this instance because you've not done it the whole match, but you're stopping this time. So they might penalize you for asking for a let then. Um, so again, I think that's also another side of the game that needs to, um, I need to be better at managing as well. I mm. think... Uh, Especially, you could watch me at the fifth in the fifth game against Joel. I was getting really frustrated, but yes. all the decisions, all the decisions were correct. Um, I knew that they were. Did you, did as you well. go back and watch that again just to, to check it out? Or? Uh, oh, but I, I knew straight away. I knew when I was playing. I knew that the decisions were right, and it was just mostly my frustration that I was, um, that I put myself in that kind of situation because I knew coming into the match that was the kind of situations I don't want to end up in and uh, I was kind of playing into his hands and there were a lot of strokes given so um, that part of me um, needs to improve a lot more as well managing that um, but again against these top top guys they know what to do they know how to get points they know how to win points and it's something that I have to look into as well yeah I, get, I, I mean I saw that play out you got you did get a bit angry at yourself but it yeah. was close the game I mean you were right there I think it was there might yeah. have been one or two points and I remember you like I saw you getting a little upset with yourself and I was saying no don't yeah. just just be yeah. you know and yeah. I get I guess that just comes with you know experience and uh, you know playing those best players in close matches yeah. more more frequently yeah yeah for sure again there's no there's no replacing you can't teach any of this if you don't go on court and experience them firsthand. Yeah. Now, uh, now you're in Hong Kong. The HK Open yeah. is uh, one of the iconic events. It ranks right yeah. up there with the, you know, 
the 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 historical uh, great squash events that date back. I, I think I remember uh, when Bang He played. Uh, his, I think it was his first HK appearance, and it was against none other than my compatriot uh, Jonathan Power. I think. Yeah. Uh, they played him in the first round. It was a good match, actually. Yeah. And uh, you have a big first round match yourself tomorrow against yeah. the man of the hour, I would say, the beast. Yeah. Uh, so uh, how have your matches been with, with uh, Mohammed uh, in the past? And based on that experience, how do you feel you need to show up uh, tomorrow? Yeah, um, it's, it's been close. It's been very close the last few times. Um, I think in Qatar, I lost 11-8 in the fourth it was very close right up to the end, six all, seven all. I think in the fourth, and he kind of pulled away. Mm-hmm. Um, back in Manchester in April as well, it was a close three one to him too. Um, I had chances to go to one up in the third. I think I had the game ball in the third game. Um, but again, we we trained a lot with each other yeah. because we're both based in Bristol. We we have a lot of hits together. That's um, and we've been training with each other for the last two three days as well. Annoyingly. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> no, way, knowing that you're playing each other. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. way because the way this the tournament's being held now, um, players have to hit with their opponent, first round opponents, or do a solo. Oh, okay. So, how do you feel um, about that? That that's kind of odd. Yeah, it's only basically because of um, COVID. One of the restrictions, yeah, and one of the restrictions that Hong Kong Squash had to do and put up. So that we can have the events, and the players are definitely not as comfortable as they would. But it's one of the things that we would sacrifice in order to have the event. Um, and in the long run, it's better for me and Muhammad as well to have sessions together because if not, we'll just be doing solos every day, and just doing solos every day can be quite hard to get your body going once the event starts. Yeah. So I think we both know for it's better for us in the long run to hit with each other. And there's nothing to hide between us anyways. Um, we've hit with each other, like trained with each other enough times. We've played each other enough times to know all the secrets and the things, everything that we can pull through, like we can pull and we would do it. And we've done it before, so there's nothing to hide. Um, but again, like we've both had really close matches and he's probably playing his best squash in a very long time. And he's Mohammed's very happy now and he's very motivated and he's very confident I think that's the worst kind of combinations that you can get yeah. um, but it's the same for me I'm, I think I'm playing my best squash I'm at my best physical shape I'm really enjoying myself on court I'm playing these guys I'm taking all of them to five I've beaten some of them so as much as it's not a great draw for him I'm sure it's not oh, a great absolutely. draw for him Absolutely. So, he can, he's got to be saying, no, you know, this yeah. is a man. I, yeah. I hate to say like the word banana skin because you're, yeah. you know, you're, you're better you than never that. Know. He has to be, he has to be on his game. Yeah. Um, and so for me, there's not, not as much, not as much pressure going into tomorrow. And at the same time, I hundred percent know and believe that I could win and I could get, um, if he's not, at his 100%, the match is up for the taking. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a tricky match tomorrow. I think he's going to do something something special on there as well, something that he's not done before. I think he's... Mohammed's. I think with him, 
it's a little bit underrated with his kind of tactical approach to matches. I think a lot of people think about his um, pure aggressiveness, his pure ball striking and his pure pace. But I think the way he approached matches and the way he adapts to matches during the games itself, I think he's the best in the world. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, look look at what he does when he when he's up in the front court when he's moving quickly yeah. in the front and he plays that little yeah. uh, that tricky little soft uh, yeah. drop shot. I mean, not yeah. hardly anyone can can do that yeah. uh, the way he does it. Yeah. So I, I'll I'll have to be prepared for that. Um, it's going to be very tough. I'm going to have to fight for every point there against him. Um, but I'm fully fully ready to go in and give it a good showing, um, and see how it goes. And I don't see why I can't win tomorrow. I, I agree. It's it's going to be an exciting first round match. A great way to yeah. kick off the event. Um, yeah. And, and, and also, you'll have some in squash podcast karma going in. So. <laughs> Let's see. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, just in terms, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, I mean, we were talking about the mental side of things, and and just in terms of Mohammed winning, uh, winning several events already to see several of of the big events. I mean, um, he's working now with, with Gregory Gaultier, and uh, he's a guy whose his passion for the game is infectious. And I, I just would yep. imagine that, that that has got to be one of the big reasons why we're seeing uh, Mohammed playing so well, just because what, what Gregory brings to the, to the game for him, just the, the excitement that he would bring uh, every time you get on court with him. Yeah, I think you could definitely see how excited he is every time he goes on court now. I don't know, maybe maybe you could see maybe a, a bit of sense of dread almost last season watching him play. Mm. Every time he steps on court, you feel like he's not quite enjoying himself. But this season, he's a completely different person. And for sure, I think Greg has been a major player in that. Um, Greg's so, so passionate mm. for squash. I don't, I don't yeah. think there's many. Or I think he might be the most passionate for squash. And you know, it shows with Muhammad, he's just a different player now. Um, a very dangerous and passionate player. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, now, just uh, I wanted to say congratulations on winning the the Malaysian uh, the national championship, uh, yeah. and also the Asian squash championship uh, yeah. most recently. Yeah. So you you've had uh, we mentioned earlier uh, greats like Ong uh, you know Ong Bang Hee and Aslan Alexander uh, yeah. before you, and they were they competed well at the very highest levels uh, yeah. of the game. So. Just in terms of, of you know the Malaysian national championships, uh, winning that title, uh, what does it mean to you to have your name alongside the, those other greats that I just mentioned? Yeah, uh, it's it's great. I think it has been um, surprisingly for a lot of players when I told them it's my first national title, they would say they wouldn't believe it because <laughs> mm. uh, I've been the Malaysian number one for the last few years. But I think in 2019, I lost to Ivan in the final. And Ivan, I think Ivan's won four in a row up to that stage. So all credits to him. He's, he's always done really well in, in the national events. Um, but yeah, it was great. It was a sense of relief as well. Um, but I went in there, I thought, I, basically, I felt like I dominated the event. I won every match, um, keeping the score lines as, as big of a gap as possible. And I um, thought that was a great, great, um, small achievement as well in some ways to get my name on there um, obviously I mean it's huge for me to win it but in terms of squash wise I felt like I still had to get the job done even though I was the heavy favourite and I was 
especially more motivated this time around because I missed the last two as well. I missed the last two events because I decided to decided to go to the UK and be based there. Um, so yeah, it was great. It's great to put have my name against um, players like Bing He and Aslan, which is um, in, an inspiration to me since since I was young. Yeah, I get no doubt that those are, were the guys that you looked up to uh, as yeah. a coming up. Um, and then uh, just about everyone I've spoken to who's won a national title on this, they, I mean, they always say, obviously, it's not, you know, I've had got, you know, like Alan Klein, he's won 11, yeah. Nick Matthews won several. Uh, yeah. But they always said that, you know, winning that national title, that first one uh, ranks right up there amongst any of the, the titles that they've won. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big one. I feel like it's a huge sense of relief as well because there's a different type of pressure going into playing a national event. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but I think, like you say, I feel like a lot of the players can really relate to relate to it. I think the first one kind of sets you free in some ways because um, to be the national champion, it just sounds it just sounds different, uh, I feel. And there's a, again, there's a lot of pressure going in, especially when... I've been based overseas for quite a while. I've, I've been doing well on tour, whereas compared to my teammates, they're not, sometimes Ivan's not really playing on the on the platinum events and the other guys are um, playing in the lower tier events. The ranking gap is quite big. So there's almost a sense of people are just saying, oh yeah, yeah Yao should just go in and win it easily. But everyone knows squash is not as straightforward as that. So to still get a win, is it's, it's a big relief for sure. Oh, 100 percent. And then uh, the Asian Championships, uh, the first Malaysian and 11 Malaysian man and 11 yeah. to win uh, to win that coveted title. Obviously, uh, there were years uh, where back to back to back with Bang Hee and uh, Aslan winning. And then also on the women's side, uh, the the legend, uh, the absolute legend, David, had won I don't know how many in a row. But uh, yeah. how excited were you uh, to put Malaysia back on the map? Uh, I wouldn't say back on the map, but named back on the trophy uh, there yeah. for the Asian uh, Squash Championship. Yeah, uh, that was a big one as well. Um, it was really big because it was both back-to-back as well. Because we had the Asian teams last year as well in Kuala Lumpur the week before the Asian individuals, so to win both that was um was a, was just amazing. I felt felt really good then, um. But I felt again um huge relief. I think I believe I went into the event as the number one seed as well. I think yeah, I definitely went. I went in as the number one seed, um. So there was a lot of pressure going in. I remember my first round, I was so nervous for it. Because oh, really? I was playing Farhan. I was playing Farhan Zaman, Farhan Zaman from Pakistan. Oh, in Pakistan. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know. I knew that he wasn't training as much. Um, but you just never know <laughs> against them. They're such good players on their day. Um, yeah, the Pakistani I, guys, they've got such good hands, don't they? I mean, yeah. They've been shot makers yeah. for the most part and, and unpredictable. <laughs> Playing them when I'm the first seed and all the pressure's on me and they have nothing to lose, with support behind them, it was uh, it wasn't an e- easy situation the first round. I remember being so nervous um, before the first match. I think I struggled in the first few points, uh, but thankfully I was nervous because I knew that I was ready for it. Yeah. Uh, I think the match ended in 18 minutes at the end, so <laughs> it was actually it went well. Um, but. Again, I think especially playing for Malaysia, I feel like 
I always perform better in some ways. I love representing for the country. I've always done well representing the country. So I like when I'm representing, especially in these Asian events or the Commonwealth Games, I think um, there's just the extra 10% when I can feel that I'm playing for the flag or the Malaysia flag. Um, and to win, to win that in Pakistan was, again, I, I think I didn't drop a set. I didn't drop a set at all in that, in that tournament. So I thought that, again, that was a great, great achievement. I didn't really, I didn't realize that Malaysia hasn't won it for that long. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was good that I knew after and rather than before because there would be a lot more pressure. <laughs> yeah, you know, no um, more pressure. You didn't need any more pressure, did you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, uh, at the same time, I'm quite, I like to be honest with myself and I knew that Sorov didn't play that event because it was held in Pakistan and um, historically it, they don't, they normally don't, the Indians, they normally don't turn up for the Asians' events if it's hosted in Pakistan. Mm, so yeah. Saurav wasn't there. And even though I won the event, I felt that, okay, maybe I've won it this time. Well done. I felt like, okay, Yao, you've done well here, but you have to remember Saurav wasn't playing this as well. And Saurav was still the number one ranked player in Asia. So as much as there was a lot of satisfaction winning the event, I was still aware that... Um, at the end of the day, Saurav didn't participate in that one. So if we're going to have another one in the future, I still need to make sure I'm always ready and I'm always improving so that next time if I'm playing, um, I still improve and still be able to defend my title. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a great win. And uh, you have something, you're, you're the defending champion, so uh, something to look forward to. Uh, and Saurav will be yeah. there hopefully uh, for the next one. Yeah, next uh, one, yeah. Yeah. Now, speaking of Asian squash, uh, you just spent, uh, I'm not sure how long, a week or so in South Korea, which uh, I lived there for for a few years. And my friend, Sean Oh, uh, you guys did some playing. So Korea hasn't had any real success. I remember back in 2002, the Asian Games, I think one of the women won the bronze medal uh, at that event. And they've had some pretty, you know, yes reasonable success uh in the lower level events for the women yep. uh they do have some young talent uh, on both the men's and, and women's side yep. so firstly just uh what was your your korean squash experience like over there um i thought it was amazing um there's quite there's a few korean coaches um that are in kale as well malaysia so i knew some of them beforehand okay um and i've always been quite close to the korean um to korean players as well so it wasn't anything really new to me, but um, I just felt that, especially um, helping around the clinic there, I felt that the passion for squash is there in Korea, and they do love their squash. But I think it's just the system and the way that things are run in Korea that's kind of stopping them from doing better, in the, especially on the PSA World Tour. Um, they don't really try to compete on the, on the PSA World Tour, yeah. Um. With the system that they have and the emphasis that their club systems have on the players, um, it's better for the players to be in Korea and to train in Korea, and perform for those events rather than because they're paid by the clubs anyway. So there's really no incentive for them to actually participate in the on on the PSA World Tour, which is a shame because um, mm. growing up in the playing the Asian Junior circuits. We used to get so many of the Korean players that used to come to Malaysia, 
come to Hong Kong and they would be one of the best. They always yeah. finish in the top four. They always do really well in the junior scene. But when they come up to a senior, um, it doesn't really translate. So hopefully um, I would like to see that that kind of system change. But it's it's quite hard because that's the way it's been run over the years. Um, and obviously I would always love to get more Asian players on tour and get a bigger presence for us because we have some really, really talented players in Asia. It's just that they haven't been exposed to the to the PSA scene as much. And I just felt that hopefully by having the, the Asian teams this time around kind of open their eyes a little bit by seeing the top players play there. And hopefully that motivates them to to play on tour more. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I mean, I remember when I was over there and I got to, I got to play quite a bit with a, a lot of their top players and I trained quite a bit. I was just so impressed with how athletic they were and how strong, yeah. how fit, how fast, uh, how good they were with the racket. But like you said, uh, within their system, you know, the, obviously, you know, they, they need it. They'd either need a sponsor in order to make, uh, make it worth their while because they, they get paid a reasonable amount of money just to stay yeah. in Korea, which is a shame. It's good and bad, right? It, 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 I mean, obviously, for them. they're, they're yeah. able to make a sort of make a living by playing squash, yeah. but they don't know their potential, do they? Yeah, no, um, for sure. I think one of the coaches were telling me, like, yo, if you change citizenship we will pay you this much to play for our clubs and stuff i was thinking and when he told me the amount i was just jesus that's a lot of money every month just mm. playing squash for them. and uh, i was really impressed with that but then again that kind of stops them from really pursuing um on tour i think there was some instances i think there were a few players that used to play quite a lot of the five five k and events but um they're not quite they don't quite have the coaches behind them, I feel, constantly improve. I felt like they were playing at the same level for a long time, basically. Um, and it's hard as well with the with the language barrier mm. to try and get some of the other coaches or the foreign coaches in to um, show them a little bit of the other side of squash as well. Um, but there, there's quite a few juniors coming up. I think I know one of the one of their juniors. I think they're Asian number one which is an amazing achievement because with the way um, our junior scene is set up in Malaysia, and if you're number one in Asia beating the Malaysian juniors, it means that you're a really good player. Is that the, the young girl? I forget. Uh... Uh, there's a young boy. I think he's under 17. So okay. okay. 17 or 15. So I think he's one of the, yeah. But yeah, they, they have a lot of potential and... Hopefully, um, one of my one of my best friends, he was training in Bristol for he was in Bristol for a year. Okay. I got to know him, got to know him really well. He's not a, he's not quite a national player, but he's just barely about that level. Mm-hmm. So he was making a big push to get into the national level. So hopefully, in the, maybe in the future, if we could work something, um, and I would love to be in Korea more and try to try to help in any way that I can, as well. Well, they might they might take you on uh, as sort of a like a working with the national team uh, down the road at some point, maybe during the off season or something. That that would be uh, exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
don't know if Malaysia squash will be too happy about that, but we'll see when the time comes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to give away too many state secrets. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, ju- just in terms of Korea, I mean, I, I, I lived there for a long time and I love the people, love the culture, love the country so much. Uh, but one thing I really, really loved uh, was the food. Um, yeah. Wondering, uh, Sean, obviously, uh, uh, would have uh, showed you around a bit. What yeah. what what, what uh, Korean dishes did you try when you were when you were there? Or maybe maybe I mean, you're already familiar with with Korea. Yeah. I mean, the, co- the Korean culture is her- it's really exploded over the last decade or so, hasn't it? Like with mm. K-pop and all this stuff, and Squid in Game. Malaysia, yeah, Squid Game and all. It's just and it's crazy. And well, in Malaysia as well, we get so many of these Korean, Korean places. There's a big Korean. Um, um, we have a lot of Koreans in Malaysia too, so we have abundance of Korean restaurants. So, um, it's just more of the same thing, basically. Um, massive fan of their barbecue. Oh, yeah. Um, Korean barbecue can never go wrong with that. So yeah. I think that's one of definitely one of my top list. The, the only barbecue. time you can go wrong with it is when you eat too much. Every time yeah. I have Korean barbecue, I I leave and I can I can barely yeah. walk. Yeah, or you realize you've just been eating pure meat for the last two hours, and you realize something's <laughs> your stomach feels a little bit weird. <laughs> yeah, 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 one hundred percent. Well, yeah, uh, it's been uh, you've been great with your time. It's almost been one hour here. Uh, yeah, uh, just uh, want to wish you all the best in Hong Kong. Thank uh, great, you. All the best with your first round match there, yeah. and uh, thank you. Continued success. Thank you very much. It's been great. Well, that's episode two forty one in the books. Many thanks to Yao for that uh, tremendous chat, and want to wish him all the best in a very big first round match up against Mohammed El Sherbagi. Uh, they've played a few times in recent years, and they've all been uh, very good matches. I'm sure, as you could tell by the way uh, Yao carried himself on the pod, uh, that he would have learned from those matches and learned from those mistakes. Now he's probably dealing with a, a bit of a different beast uh, this time around a beast who is in top form once again so that should uh, bode well for a very exciting first round match so you don't want to miss that one uh, tomorrow also uh, I'm that is assuming that this pod gets out before that match and you've listened to it. Uh, uh, anyhow, uh, again, I uh, just want to say thank you to Yao for a tremendous chat. And also uh, thank you to Jamie Maddox for dropping his uh, sequel to the Mohammed al Sherbagi song earlier in the pod. Uh, many thanks to him for that. Uh, definitely lived up to the hype and then some. What a, a great tune that is. And want to thank him once again for agreeing to drop the premiere of that song here on episode 241 also thanks to all of you for listening i want to wish you all the best with your squash and your health take good care and we've got some tremendous episodes upcoming so stay tuned for those uh don't uh, want to jinx anything just yet but we've got a couple of really good ones coming up so stay tuned johnny williams actually coming up in the very near future that'll be uh, exciting i'm really looking forward to uh, meeting him and talking about the squash season up until now he did give my recap and i'd like to see uh what johnny has to say uh from his perspective he's been there uh several times on squash tv commentating and he knows the game uh, very very well so looking forward to that uh, everybody again thank you for listening and we'll be talking to you very soon goodbye now